I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Big Squid Podcast. Today we have a brand new Space Podyssey episode with the returning Ben Elwood. This time we're looking at a movie from 1984 entitled 1984. Hello, I hope you're well. Uh, look, I, to be honest, I'm in a great mood. We have Ben Elwood back on the podcast for the latest Space Podyssey episode. We haven't had as much time as we have had in the past to be able to record. And uh, I, I love the Space Podyssey segment and would like to do more of them. And uh, yeah, we've just had uh, conflicting schedules of late. So uh, it's great to have him back. It's great to be back doing this. And uh, today we're covering the film 1984. Uh, interesting chat, interesting movie. We will get into that soon. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. Melbourne, yes, Finally, it's happening. My new solo show, Little Victories, is happening this Saturday, the 26th of November at Comedy Republic. There are still a few tickets left that I would love to sell out. It'd be great. It'd be great to sell out. And then, you know, my management might think, ah, we should bring him down to Melbourne more often. That'd be nice. I'd like to come down to Melbourne more often. So if we can sell those tickets, that'd be fantastic. My Big Squid listeners can score cheaper tickets by using the promo code PODCAST. So make certain you use that. Head to comedy.com.au, click on my tile, and you'll find the relevant information you need. If you're a Patreon subscriber, make sure you use your super duper discount from the Patreon site. Yes, it's even better than the normal podcast site. Speaking of which, everyone who signs up to Patreon has an episode of the podcast dedicated to them. And today's shout out goes to Aaron Donaldson. We were just having a nice little chat online when his name popped up as the uh, next 
to be spoken about on this podcast and I thought that was a nice bit of coincidental timing. Aaron, thanks for being a part of the Big Squid community and we'll have more of a chat about something we were discussing that we might do in 2023. Hmm, I wonder what that could be. Well, for the moment... That's just for Aaron and me to know. But we might be doing something together next year, early next year. Aaron reached out, made a suggestion, seemed pretty good. Anyway, we're just going to keep that between us for now and then let the rest of you stew on it and wonder and imagine what it could be. If you'd like to have access to ad-free podcasts, bonus podcasts, scripts and heavily discounted live events, please head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid and you will find a tier that suits you. Okay, it's time to bring in Ben because we're about to enter a futuristic world controlled by the omniscient leader Big Brother as Endless wars abound and rebellious thoughts are a sin. Winston Smith commits the ultimate crime. He falls in love with a girl. Strapping kids were entering the world of 1984. The world we are preparing, Winston. It's a constant victory, a constant triumph. You are beginning to accept it. You will soon welcome it. And finally, become part of it. In 1949, George Orwell had a vision of the future. Today, that vision is still a best-selling novel, and his prophecy remains as terrifying as ever. If you want a vision of the future, Winston, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. A future where freedom becomes slavery. Where privacy is forbidden. The past forgotten, and where living people simply vanish. Yet one man and one woman dare to love. Can you get Sunday afternoon off? Yes. Take this. Everyone knows. The thing that is in room 101 is the worst thing in the world. We can't get inside you. We can't get to your heart. John Hurt, Susanna Hamilton, Cyril Cusack, and Richard Burton in the crowning role of his career. What are your true feelings towards Big Brother? I hate him. You must love him. It's not enough to obey him. You must love him. The film of the book of the year. George Orwell's 1984. Now, I'm just letting you know that I have uh, put this script together to kind of talk about uh, maybe more the feeling of this movie and talk about uh, certain scenes, but I'm not going scene by scene. Oh, thank you. Oh, I know. Jesus, shit. Like, I, this, like I, 
when did you first see this film? Because uh, I, I saw it on video a long time ago. And to be completely honest mm. with you, I was up for this suggestion. Mm. And then about halfway through it, I was like, this might be the wrong time of year to have taken this film on. You know what? I don't... I, I think it, it, it's not even the themes of, or, or, or the content of the film that bummed me out. I just don't think it's a good film. I'm sorry. I don't think you, it's a good movie. Because I, I am a huge fan of... Orwell's novel. Yes. I love 1984. Yes. Uh, and, and in the year 2022, the only flaw that I see in the book 1984 is that the scope of his imagination was not wide enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> For how, how we would uh, not just... Yeah, he, you would not need to install a camera in everyone's home. You just convince everyone that it's cool to film everything they do and they'll do it voluntarily. Well, yeah. We'll, you it's, know, it's emotionally prescient still. Absolutely. But it's, uh, you know, he, he's not a futurist. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, my 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 issue with the film is that it is I, I, for me it does not do service to the greatness of the book. Yeah, and it weirdly doesn't get into the world building of the world of 1984 enough. I almost feel like you have to have read the book to truly understand this movie. Yeah, it kind of gli- glides over stuff in such a kind of oh this is happening now and it's like yeah but. Mm. Why? So I wonder if this is a budget constraint, but it feels oddly small. Yes, it feels small and it feels, I don't know, it just, it feels drab and not in the way that it should feel drab. Like, obviously, this is a, it's a drab movie. Yeah. A drab story, uh, drab themes, but it just feels, (laughs) it's weird to say that it's a bummer, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, we were we were talking via text. I think that the greatest adaptation of 1984 is Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Mm. It gets to all the themes, but yeah. it does it in a way that is has a grandiosity to it and a real emotional weight. Yeah, you know. But by the time the main character of Brazil is degraded and destroyed by the state, I really care because you mm. see these beautiful images of him flying mm. with the wings, and 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 you want him to transcend mm. you truly and you truly believe that he wants to transcend mm. in in this film adaptation of 1984 i don't believe that um winston th- there's a subversion to his behavior but i don't see that real yearning to break free of this mm. oppressive state there's little things yeah all right let's i i do agree with pretty much all of that i found this to be a bit of a slog when yeah. i watched it at home as, as a as a young man on video mm. i immediately went out and shot baskets for three hours because i was just like fuck i need to move and i need to do something simple as yeah, putting yeah, a basketball yeah. in a hoop yeah, yeah, and yeah. then this time when i was watching it there were roadworks taking place out the front of my apartment so i had the industrial sounds of bitchman being torn <laughs> up which kind of suited the mood of the film um I, I want to discuss all of that uh, and things that I would do differently. Um, it, you know, it lacks humour, and yeah. it doesn't. And I don't mean jokes, no. but I would in a, in a, in my version of 1984, I would have the guy who runs the pawn shop. He can be a little bit funny, like he can be, you know, he can be amusing. And the, the book's and, funny, and Richard Burton should be seductive. Richard Burton's performance is so bad. That entire last 20 minutes in Room 101 where he's doing the, the, the this what one of the great monologues in any novel ever. Yeah. You know, the the complete dehumanization of Winston yeah. is so 
Like, obviously, it's a choice to yeah. deliver it in this complete monotone with no fucking... But it's a bad choice. There's no... Well, that, yeah, I blame the director on that. It's just this kind of droning, yeah. like, you know, and, and, and it's pretty much verbatim, word for word, the monologue from the book. So, it's just a bad reading yeah. of some great writing. And I, I just... Yeah, you're right. He needs to be seductive. We never even meet him really before the 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 turn. We we, we get one scene with him, but he's kind of looking over his shoulder at him. Like, there's this part of me that sits there going, "Why was Winston picked on?" Yeah, he seems to be doing everything he's meant to. He's yelling at the screen. He's being furious. Exactly, and and, and I think they and I think in the movie they kind of because the great horror of the reveal in the book is that there is no suspicion of Winston that you're aware of as the reader until the moment where the painting talks to him in the, in the room. And it's like, Holy fuck this, like they've known all along. This is horrific. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's hard to pass because you, you know, I'm I'm very familiar with the story, but I feel like if you had never seen this film before and never read 1984 before from the first five minutes, you're fairly aware that there's some kind of suspicion surrounding this guy. Yeah. Just from little looks and blah blah blah, um, and and to your point about humor, the book's funny. Mm. Like it's not ha 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 funny, yeah. but there's an irony there. You know the the, the children, um, the, the the children being the the full um, adherence of the state. Yeah, is kind of a, a humorous thing in there. You know the way people speak, the yeah. kind of weird, detached, Pollyanna-ish You know, you, love for it all. Yeah, you could have had like. They could have been humour in the woman that he goes to fix the, the bathroom. You know, like there, yeah. there, there's there, there could be everyday humour and stuff. Who would you have if you were to remake that movie? Who would you have in the Richard Burton role? Whoa, that's interesting. Um, maybe like a Lawrence Fishburne type, something. Oh like yeah. That. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Someone velvety, fucking. You know who I was thinking? Who and like I clearly love this person, oh, so yeah. that's what makes me think. I, I feel like George Clooney would be great, dude. This is a bit off topic. I watched Michael Clayton last night. Have you ever seen it before? Never, mate. Holy fuck! Ten out of ten. It's a fucking cracking <laughs> film. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's a scorcher of a film. Man. I, I told you that I rewatched it recently. I hadn't watched it in a number of years and immediately berated myself for not watching Michael Clayton at least once a year. Oh, it was just... Tilda Swinton having the panic attack is fucking mesmerizing. Oh, Tom, um, Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson. Oh, oh, dude, it was like every minute of that movie. Yeah. I didn't... I wasn't restless for a second. Yeah. I didn't look at the time. Nothing. Yeah. I didn't go get up to make a cup of tea. It was just two hours of... Oh my god! Oh yeah. my god! Oh my god! <laughs> it yeah, was great. Uh, one of my shows, The Killing Joke, which was about uh, where uh, two people meet on a bridge, and it's the it's essentially the denouement was it's the artistically in, uh, side of comedy, full of integrity versus the corporate side, and then uh, I I completely lifted the credits. Like when the show finished, uh, it was me with the music playing with the lights up for ages adjusting the tie and making myself all nice and tidy <laughs> which is uh, that ending the of him shot, in the yeah. just in the in the taxi it's by great. himself it's great. like Clooney's a fucking gun in that film yeah he's great Sidney Pollack like all of them it, it's, it's a, such a good it's movie. a scorcher yeah it's a it's a real it's a, a real instantaneous you know what favorite. scrap this let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah. to get off topic no yeah, right. I think Clooney would be a good uh a good, um, sorry, what's his name? Um, 
Yeah, Richard Burton. Richard character. Burton character. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. uh, O'Brien. Yes. Um, yes, I think O'Brien. It's that weird in again in the book. You, you should want to be friends with him. So abusive know, father figure. Yeah, where it's like you know, there's a tenderness and a love, a lovingness in him that is clearly horrifically abusive yeah. because of all the shit that he's doing. Yeah. I mean, even the part with the, 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 the face cage with the rats did not have the same weight of horror yeah. that it should have had. That should have been the most awful, Yeah, you know, but it just, there was, I don't know, maybe by that stage I was checked out. And well, it's a, bit, it's a bit Passion of the Christ where it's like, oh, how much more can this guy go through? Yeah. And I haven't seen enough of the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, let's get to some of the segments. Uh, Google me, Chuck. I just the, it was a, it was the top response that made me laugh. The rest of them were pretty straightforward, but the top one was, "What is the point of the movie 1984?" <laughs> and I was like, "Like, huh? You dumb fucks." <laughs> well, but if you if you haven't read the book, like you might yeah. get to the end of it and go, "What the fuck was the point of that?" You yeah. just made me feel like shit. Yeah, anyway, true. Segment first context. These are some of the sci-fi movies that came out before and after. 1980, The Empire Strikes Back. 1981, Escape from New York. 1982, The Thing. 1983, War Games. 1985, Brazil. 1986, Aliens. 1987, Robocop. So there's a a kind of... You know, there's some interesting films Beautiful around there. Films. The uh, segment, The Year That Was. These are the films released in 1984. Uh, 2010, Dune. Big shout out to David Lynch holding a pug. (laughs) Uh, Electric Dreams, Ghostbusters, Uh The Last Starfighter, Starman, and The Terminator. Oh, you can see what, well, yeah, God, 1984 is even more grim in that context. <laughs> That's why I pointed out those Good films. Good Lord. Oh, dear. So this must be one of the ugliest movies I've ever watched. And it begins yep. like that from the first scene as we watch people screaming at a screen that relays news about a war that isn't happening. Mm. What do you think the opening gets right and wrong about the world we live in today? Uh, I think the... It gets right that kind of definitely the mob mentality of seeing a uh, an image disconnected from context and forming yeah. a uh, life affirming opinion about yeah. it, <laughs> yeah, and assuming that you can see the entire context of what's going on, yeah, uh, and and just how easy it is to rouse uh, a group of people into uh, a frothing frenzy, yeah. But I think that's always been true. Yeah. I think that's just that's how nature is people. This is why I enjoy individuals but find groups to be usually quite <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's the Groucho Marx joke of Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, yeah, want to belong yeah. to a club that would have someone like you as a member. Yeah. Like you know, it's a, like I feel that a way about, you know, things that I love where <laughs> if I'm around too many people who also love it, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm usually like mm, God, Absolutely. This is bumming me out. But I think I, I you know, I often wonder if that's why I've kind of generally felt uncomfortable with sport as well right or just that just you know like even i remember even when i was very little when people would start clapping in unison right that would freak me out right <laughs> just everyone like yeah right you know like clapping to the beat or something right like, oh we're all just like ugh. well it's funny i always found sport to be uh cathartic in that it's where you can take those instincts and it's a safe place sure and you, I, like, think, I think that's true yeah think, you're barracking for sport absolutely. like it's you know you're, you're not barracking for a war it's it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a game yeah yeah no i think i think I, I do believe that's true i just i think from a very young age and i don't know what it was just just giant group affairs mm. kind of group think always kind of made me feel queasy a bit yeah uh, yeah, and I think that's the the, the the movie 
definitely puts that notion across. And and I think, um, as I said before, I think that 1984, combined especially with Brave New World, is incredibly prescient about where we're at. Yeah. Um, it just happened in a form that no one could have imagined. Yeah. I uh, the thing that I, I I agree with everything that you just said. The thing I reckon they get wrong is what we what we already touched on is that there's razzle dazzle, there's color, yeah, there's there's humor. Yeah. Like you know, we've discussed this many times before, yeah. but lots of people forget that you know people in the UK who supported Boris Johnson found him funny, yeah, and people course. who supported. Uh, Trump thought Trump was funny it's and people sure. who supported Morrison thought Morrison was funny. Oh, he's running around with a lump of coal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You show him, Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's the um, it's the appeal to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. And the lowest common denominator isn't necessarily just rage and no. uh, and fury. Yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah. By the way, sport can sometimes be one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. Did you see any of the stuff with uh, Roger Federer's retirement? I saw a a photo of him crying. Mate, it wasn't just crying. It was him fucking holding hands with Rafael Nadal. He's both crying uh, while they were watching the tribute. Like, that's the fucking epitome of what sport should be all about. Wait, were they enemies? Is that... Does that mean what, what does No, that no, mean? they're not like sporting enemies. Like the, yeah. you know, like they're rivals. Yeah. They do you, do you have a complete blank spot on tennis? Like I'm just. Asking. I have a complete blank spot on anything. To Roger do with Federer the ball. came along, and he was, you know, he's a few years older than uh, Nadal, and it was pretty much considered. It's like fuck, this guy might be the best of all time. Right. And then Nadal came along, and he is a fucking matador, and he they have contrasting styles. So uh, Federer is like watching. Fred Astaire mm. play tennis and uh, as I said Nadal's like a matador and mm. he's you know between them they've won 42 grand slams right. and they played each other in the finals all the time and their their styles were such a contrast but they were really they're really close yeah, they're right. really oh, really okay. good friends so these games are some of the the best tennis that we, the world yeah, will wow. ever see yeah. and they've you know they've Broken each other's hearts at times, you know. It's, uh, mm. you know, devastating five-set victories over each other, etc. But it's never gotten in the way of them being friends. Oh, so, so then his knee was falling apart. It was the Rod Laver Cup and he and Nadal's had injuries as well because he's getting on. And uh, Nadal made... And his wife is, uh, you know, had some complications with uh, with her pregnancy and that. And he made the effort to go and play doubles together. And then they, you see them just holding hands, watching, both crying, watching the thing. And you go, Aww. that's what sport should be. Yeah, that is lovely. That is... That's, that's what sport can be. <laughs> um, John Hurt is perfect in the role of Winston Smith. He works for the Ministry of Truth as someone who rewrites history as dictated by the party. Uh what stands out to you about Hurt's performance? Oh, like he's fucking John Hurt, so he's he, perfect. He's perfect, but I, I think what hurts about the performance is that he is a, he is the perfect casting in a imperfect in, 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 an, in an inadequate film. Yeah, you know, even just what you described then—that he works in the Ministry of Truth. Where was the two minutes of just explaining the Ministry of Truth, the Ministry of Love? Yeah, you know, explaining what all these things are. again. It just kind of, and I'm not averse to going into something with you know an assumed knowledge, but I never feel like it's properly even played out in subtle ways. I think it's yeah. just suddenly he's sitting there burning bits of information, rewriting with this god awful narration. Yeah, um, 
We, that that's what bums me out. Yeah. Well, um, uh, just before we get to that bit, he, for me, it's his cough. Oh yeah. And it's all in his eyes. You can yeah, see how vulnerable eyes. he is in every scene. Now, because this is a but, movie, and go on. Oh, my my criticism of his performance. You know what? It's not even a criticism of his performance. It's a criticism of his direction. Is that again? I I feel like he should have been directed to maintain more of a mask. Like it by the time it's revealed that the they're on to him and that they've always been spying on him, it's like, well, of course they have. He's like, you know, like he's do, he's doing the performance of shouting, but in between the shouting, his face falls into that. Oh god, this is fucking horrible. Right. Whereas I feel like an actor of his caliber could have pulled off the beauty of the mask. That's like the mouth is always smiling. Yeah. And I'm really into this. This is great. But the eyes are yeah. what's betraying him. Whereas I feel like his face has always fallen. Um, and for a society that is where you're under constant surveillance, yep. um, you would your face would just be trained, a- as it is with uh, people in China living under the social credit system. Yep. Their face is trained to just be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this well, is awesome. Well, you know, maybe something that I would have done and uh, this would have gone against... Uh, you know, because a book's a book and you have more time with a book yeah. and this is a movie. Yeah. So, personally, I probably would have had the woman that he has the affair with, Julia, I would have had her as someone that he's training. So, then yeah, early sure. on, okay, uh, we're going to discover which you're here and we're going totally. to, and I'm going to teach you how to do this. Uh, you might go to this ministry. You might go to this ministry. Over there, they do this. Over there, they do that. Brilliant. But we're going to work on this together. And then maybe he makes a comment. Then she makes a comment. And then suddenly, they, you know, there's... A hand touches a hand. Right. Yeah, and then some, and then, you know, you just bypass a lot of piss farting about and get straight into it. I think that is a brilliant solution to the problem. Yeah. And you build the world... It's not just some random encounter. No, and it's great because while he's teaching her, it's yeah. teaching us yeah. Yeah. what's yeah. going on in that Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Winston might work for the Ministry of Truth, but he has his own thoughts that are fueled by his painful childhood memories and his desire for sexual relationships. He writes everything in a secret diary, which automatically means he's creating evidence of his thought crimes, unorthodox thoughts that contradict the basic tenets of Ingsoc, which is uh, English socialism, which is the dominant ideology of Oceana. Uh, With a world that is under constant surveillance, why do you think Winston writes down his thoughts and creates a danger like this? Um, I think there's that, you know, uh, like so many criminals, they kind of want to be caught. Yes, yeah. (laughs) I think it's also an act of rebellion as well, because he's, he's looking for beauty, and there's something beautiful about writing. Yeah. And writing on paper and putting it aside. Well, even the, t- even the care he takes in, 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 it's not just scribbles. Yeah. You know, there's a real care put into uh, drawing out each letter. And, yeah. you know, there's the, there is that. Also, I think the act of, I mean, I, I've, I, I used to journal a lot. I haven't journaled much this year. And, I've no, and, and now that it's been a few months, I've really noticed the downside of not journaling. Right. You know, like uh, actually... Putting your thoughts into a physical medium definitely helps in passing them and spotting contradictions and yeah. spotting what's really going on, you know, because you come back to it a month later and you read it as though it's not even your thoughts. You're just yeah. reading it like it's a story or something. Yeah. And so you're able to spot stuff a lot easier. So I think it's that. I think it's, you know, uh, passing what's important from the chaos of his mind. 
Yeah. Uh, can you write in cursive? Yes. Man, it's a it's a skill that I've lost, uh, and I it's it, I hadn't even really thought about it, but I was going through uh, some files, and I just found old stuff that I'd written as a kid, and I was mm. like, oh fuck, my cursive was beautiful. <laughs> my cursive is not beautiful, but I can do it. My writing is terrible. I've got terrible writing. Oh man, it's uh, you know back in the day when you <laughs> were you know like I I was the uh, I was the next generation past getting the fucking rap on the knuckles, so yeah. I never had that. Yeah. But um, it was definitely a skill that you had to learn. Yeah, uh, makes me. Um, it did make this. Uh, I did watch this, and you know, like um, Clooney's a a well known letter writer, yeah. and. Um, it's a nice idea to just write a little note and post it to someone. I of think course. that's quite uh, quite a sweet thing to do. Yeah. It's, it feels like something that I would like to do and maybe I will never get around to. Of course. But I would, <laughs> it'd be nice to have some nice paper. Yeah. And uh, they wouldn't even have to be big notes. That's uh, something I've uh, been trying to do a little bit more of, which is uh, ring friends and, and have a five-minute chat. Yeah. And do that more often than rather than big gaps of not talking for ages, yeah. and then the three-hour info dump. Yeah, well, you know what? It just doesn't happen. Once it's too long, then you just, of course, you just never get back to it. I know. Uh, every morning, the screens wake the people up and get them to do exercises. They also allow the government to see into everyone's rooms. The woman conducting the exercise abuses Winston for not touching his toes correctly and says that he is under 45, he should be able to do this. You're under 45, can't can touch my you toes touch at all. your toes? Absolutely not. <laughs> I could <laughs> a couple of years ago, but I can't right. anymore. I tested it out. I can, I can touch my toes. Good. I, I, That's was, I was wrapped. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was sore at the end of it, yeah. <laughs> but I could do it. I slipped a disc. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm in traction recording this podcast. But I touched them. God damn it. Uh, so I have something tasty for you. The way dictionaries are thinned by reducing the number of words that are used is odd at first, but when you think about it, it is actually incredibly insidious. We see this in everyday oh, life from how many characters you can use in a tweet to words being reduced to mockery as elitists from everybody, including politicians to sports hosts. Why do you believe the abolition of words is the, one of the worst crimes that can be committed against society? Because it reduces the uh, the, the the scope of what you can express. Yeah. Yeah. Or the ideas that you can express or yeah. the emotions that you can express. It's a yeah. fucking disaster. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. If you've only got one word for sad, yeah. well then like, I've got this great book. It's called The Dictionary of Human Emotions. Right. And it's got, you know, because, you know, we, we, we know that there's certain things that can't be expressed in English, you know, yeah. schadenfreude. Yeah. But this gets into some really interesting ones like uh, abiman. Is a Japanese word for the feeling of just when you sink into the chest of someone that you know cares about you with complete unconditional love. Oh, great, great word. Yes, Abiman. yeah. Uh, or oh, um, or um, bruxism, the feeling that you just want to kiss someone, right, mid conversation. Yeah. Uh, or l'appel du vide. Yeah. The feeling you get when you're standing on the edge of a balcony and you just want to jump off. Yeah. And all these like beautiful words where it's like, you know, and it's so much more elegant than going, oh, you know that feeling where you're halfway through a conversation and you want to like kiss someone? It just, yeah. you start kind of, I don't know. When I started reading older books and my vocabulary expanded, I just felt, you know, not, it, it was beyond just being more verbally articulate. It was suddenly just the scope of what was possible to yeah. express was expanded. 
If you could create a word to express a unique feeling, what would it be? Oh God. Um, the, 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 the feeling of, uh, despair that kicks in mid afternoon. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's there for about 20 minutes. And right. Kind of passes. I would have, uh, maybe my word would be, uh, drameld, which would be, uh, the the very pleasant place that you enter in your mind when someone's boring you shitless about something you don't give a fuck about. <laughs> it probably is. I'll, I'll look in the book. Actually, you know, I would I I'm, I would love a word for that feeling of the overwhelming. I, I'm pretty sure there is a word for this in this book. Uh, the 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 feeling of, uh, you know, where you cry from joy. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, just that yeah. overwhelming kind of emotion that comes from yeah, like crying from something so beautiful. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there is a word for that. Yeah. It's funny. I, so, I watched um, The Bear and oh. uh, and I really loved it. And the, the ending really got to me. And then uh, someone we know uh, quite well watched it and just really hated the ending and, mm. and really um, talked about why they thought it was a terrible ending. And, um, and I just know that I don't trust them anymore. <laughs> Even though I understood where they were coming from, it was like, uh, you know, when you go, I feel like you, like, of course you're allowed to think that because that was how you, you came to that point and that's yeah. your interpretation of yeah. it. But I think it was also, I think I think that's, um, sometimes you can negate what's going on in a story and sometimes yeah. sometimes you should allow the characters to have catharsis. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, anyway. you know, so much of so much. A, a friend of mine doesn't like a, the the second half of a series that we've been watching. Yeah. And he told me he didn't like it before I'd seen it. Right. And my first thought was, I reckon it gets really emotional. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being, yeah. I reckon it gets really emotional. Yeah. And I watched it, and it's like, oh, it gets really emotional. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> of very he didn't funny. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yuck. Um. So I. Uh, I've been doing the BBC Alan Moore, oh, yeah. which had been great. And so uh, he talked about the statement that Count Alfred Kuczynski made where he explained that everything in human reality and consciousness is made up of nothing but language. Words are the most important form of technology as they change and manipulate the human environment. Right. Uh, and within this, he talked about the conquest of the Aztec population where one day they noticed something was wrong with the sea and they thought it was quite odd. And uh, what was wrong with the sea and quite odd was that there were all these Spanish galleons coming for them, but they didn't have the words to describe them. They'd never seen anything like it before, so they couldn't comprehend what was happening. So words show us what is in front of us. If you take away words, then people can't express themselves. And by doing that, you can easily manipulate them and keep people where you want. This has been... So I have gone into some dangerous places of thinking, uh, having watched this and thought about this and watched that moment uh, with uh, Alan Moore. And and anyway, while I intellectually and, you know, agree with the fact that there are certain words that you shouldn't be allowed to use... Mm. But I also think that is a, a slippery slope. I, I disagree with that entire thesis. Well, I understand the, you know, because I haven't been on the receiving end yeah. of those words. Yeah. But I do, I, I, I still believe that everything's context. And my argument it's is, is um, you know, NWA, whose, you know, full name is deliberately provocative, yeah. right? 
But if you were to say, what does that stand for? And then I say, N-word with attitude. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And it's the taking out of the N-word in... No, I know. In Huckleberry Finn, where the the whole point of it is... Of course. The the lesson that he learns. But the the reason that we're not going to say what NWA stands for isn't because... It, what what ends up happening is it's not it's not that people aren't say, saying it out of some you know deference and respect they're saying it because they're afraid of getting in trouble like so, we're doing now uh, well, like we're doing now yeah so what's really going on like what, yeah what, what 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 is the reason for not allowing the everything is context a word has no inherent meaning it is yeah. a grouping of phonetical sounds that has no meaning yeah it, it's the reason when you go to a foreign country the first thing you learn in the foreign language is the swear words yeah because cholera jasna in polish is one of the most foul things you can say yeah but to you it just sounds like me going it doesn't yeah. mean fucking anything yeah the same way the words that we in the in Western culture, like, yeah. <laughs> when, when I was growing up, shit was an awful word. Shit is no longer an awful word. Yeah, fuck isn't even real. Cunt is becoming less of an even yeah. an awful yeah. word. You know, it's the exposure to the word that makes the word have less power. When you suddenly afford all these, you know, oh my god, this this word it, it, attaining some kind of magical significance to it. It's only then that it has this insane power that humans have granted upon it yeah everything is context yeah it's the reason i can say oh fuck off mate yeah and fuck off mate yeah they're two vastly different statements yeah despite being phonetically exactly the same oh you know you can do it with word you can do hey which means hello it can be hey which is i haven't seen you in a long time it can be hey hey you you overstepped the mark you can go hey which means i'm gonna fuck your girlfriend (laughs) so you know it can all mean different things yeah i just i i i I really you know and that's for anyone who doesn't quite understand that last joke that was a fonzie from happy days (laughs) reference for the younger people but yeah it's, it's not to diminish the the, the the pain that words can cause to certain groups and to certain people and all the rest but I you know this idea that you can just memory hole certain words and like I've talked to people who are they you know they, they're massive rap fans yeah. and they're like oh but when I'm rapping along to something in a in you know run the jewels or whatever in the car and it gets to a Line with the N-word. I won't even say the N-word alone in the car to myself. And it's right. really like, really? Yeah. Come on. You're That's saying absurd. It in, yeah. You're saying it in your head. That's absurd. I've taken heaps of words. On your own? Yeah. Alone? Yeah. You won't even say it alone. Yeah. Oh, what will happen? Yeah. I've taken heaps of words out, like, to the extent of... Because... Because I know that I could be doing an hour show that could be one of the most brilliant shows of all time. And of I course. could, in the moment of ad libbing, I could drop one word that technically, by society standards, I'm not allowed to use. And that would completely undercut everything. 100%. Because that one word in, in an hour after I've probably said 10,000 yeah. will be the one that everyone of focuses course. on. And it's, it's the point I go back to earlier. You know, at that stage, are you self-censoring for a noble reason or are you self-censoring censoring out of self-preservation? Yeah. S- self-preservation. Self-preservation. So at that point, what is the, you know, what is the, the motivation behind the whole thing becomes not what the intended motivation of censoring the word in the first place was. Yeah. Like, I think these, these conversations are becoming a little bit more permissible to have. Yeah. You know, without immediately being like, oh, you just want to say fucking awful things that upset people. No, it's not about that at yeah. all. It's not about that at all. Yeah. But, you know, like to, to go into books from a hundred years ago and 
take out words that are, you know, this yeah. idea that, you know, people a hundred years ago were fallen and no, they were just describing to the tenets of their civilization just as we are now. Yeah. You know, it's very popular for people now to be, oh, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, sure. What about the black people that mine the cobalt in your fucking smartphone? Yeah. Their lives don't really matter that much to you, do they? Yeah. Mm, turns out that you are participating in a fucked up system yeah. that encourages slavery, that encourages yeah. exploitation, and you want to hold people 150 years ago to some standard now that yeah. you're not even ascribing to. Yeah. You're doing it in a performative way, yeah. but not really. Like it's it, The whole thing is so performative and, and it, it's very similar to the people in this film standing in front of the screen yeah. railing and screaming and carrying on and putting on a show yeah. but really like if you break down your life yeah if you really cared about these things you wouldn't have a smartphone yeah you would stitch your own clothes from clothes that you bought from St. Vincent de Paul's yeah you wouldn't be particip- you wouldn't have an Amazon account yeah you know it's it's very easy to perform these gestures while your own life does not pass the mustard yeah Sorry, I feel very passionate about this. No, I know. That's why I brought it up. You know who you know who does hate the N-word? Mm. Bill Cosby. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know that great guy, Bill Cosby? Yeah. Abusing all these young African-American I watched that comedians. fucking doco. Yeah. Have you seen that one? The, no. Uh, the, uh, I can't remember who made it. Uh, FW, whatever his name is. Uh, we need to talk about Cosby. Holy shit. Right. Like, I knew it. Yeah. But I didn't know it. Yeah. He's one of history's greatest monsters. Oh, yeah. Like, he's a monster. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a, like a demon from yeah. hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, unbelievable. Mr. Huxtable. Whoa. Yeah. Crazy. The brighter the photo, the darker the negative. Yeah. Telling you. Uh, there are so many sad moments early in the movie from Winston's sexual experience with the proletariat street worker. Uh, that'll be the... I'd love to put a band together called Proletariat Street Worker. Uh, to the piece of coral embedded in the paperweight. Uh, is there an image that haunts you the most from this movie? And while I think of it, so if I was to also make this film, I would have, I would have done something to make the coral stand out a little bit more. It took me ages to work it's out what it was. <laughs> it's like it should have been the most colourful. It should have been like in Sin City where everything's black and white, and yes. then you get the red lips of yes. this one person. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yes, yeah, yeah. I would have done that with the coral. For a long time, I was like, is that a, is that a spleen? Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> is that someone's appendix? Is that someone's chicken twisty that they put in there? Like, what is happening? Yeah, it should have had all the beautiful nuance. and Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, 
Oh, look, to be honest, the, 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 I, no, no image from this film haunts me. The, the, the one image I did like was the helicopter hovering outside his window. I liked that. Man, the helicopter is... I thought that was good. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, not quite... Um, like, what I do like about the helicopter is it's just there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not done in a way. It's just like, oh, God, that is... Right there, yeah. not moving. Yeah. Oh, fast forward a couple of years, there'll be fucking drones outside all our windows. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to learn how to shoot in my hand and throw it. <laughs> That's going to be my plan. Not a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have to work on my diet because I want to make sure it's something that's easy, easily gripped. Um, easily gripped, but splats well. But splats well, yeah. Um, the... Um, I think when Julia first approaches Winston, everything comes... The the thing that I just really enjoyed is... uh, I just like Hurt. You know, he's just such a great performer. and Yeah, he just just does so much with his eyes. Um, Did you ever think that Julia was working for the Thought Police? I thought that she was working for the Thought Police the whole time. Yeah. The the movie completely made you think that, I believe. Yeah. Was that intentional? I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't work it Again, out. Again, I, did, I didn't Did you know. think that in the book? Uh, no. No, neither did I. That's the thing. And yeah. I was actually surprised in the movie where it reveals at the end that, no, I don't think she is working. No, Maybe she's she, not. She's not, no. no. But it's like, no, it seems like she is the whole time. Yeah. yeah it's just, just the way it's shot and the way the implication and everything. Well, you see so many shots of her screaming at the screen. And so then, then when she, like, it's all, that's what I mean about if you had him mentoring her. No, I know. And there's even a moment where O'Brien looks at her and kind of smiles approvingly. Yeah. So it's like, it seems like she's working for him. I I don't know. Or maybe she is working for them, but the fact that she cosplayed as a dissident meant that she needed to be... Who the fuck knows? I just just don't think it's very clear visual storytelling. No, neither do I. Uh, There's a lot of imagery in the movie that reminds me of the modern world. Uh, What imagery... Uh, was any imagery that kind of uh, stood out to you that uh, reflected today? And I'll give you the the cheering of enemies being murdered really bothered me, and it was like uh, the cheering of Osama bin Laden being executed, Wasn't that or disgusting? Saddam Hussein being caught in the foxhole, which is. Like, you're not on their side, but there's just something awful about the human condition to revel in this type of action. When when, when Bin Laden got killed and people were partying in the street and no one even... Well, no one in the American media seemed to even go, mm, this is weird. I don't know if we should be partying in the street. Yeah. It's a bit of a fucking... Like, All those people shooting a guy dead. in the fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, it's not to say that you know, Bin Laden should have allowed, been allowed to spend the rest of his days eating ice cream and having a great time. But yeah. what does it say about a society that throws a party when someone gets shot in the head? Yeah. Like, it's kind of fucked up. It's really fucked it's up. It's really fucked up. Yeah. I remember when Saddam got hung. Yeah. And a friend of mine uh, had the video on his phone. And he's like, oh, do you want to watch it? And I was like, absolutely not. He's like, why not? I was like, because I don't want to watch a fucking human being get hung. <laughs> like, that is... Really fucked up, man. Yeah. Oh, but it's Saddam. Oh, cool. I still don't want to see a human being's neck snap. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I'm into it. Yeah, you, I've had a couple of friends over the years that I don't really catch up much with anymore who would have weird things. I'd say, check this out. And then you'd watch it and you go, I've, I'm now never going to be able yeah. to not see that. You just show me a snuff movie. What the fuck was like, that? that is, yeah, that is, that is strange. That I, is just, really I, I wonder strange. about that with the dehumanization. Like... 
I've, I've, I'm so happy. I've, I've, I've called my uh, internet provider and I've set the date to disconnect the internet. I'm so fucking happy. How are you going to work? Oh, my contract's over in a few weeks. You, sure, surely you'll have another contract. Yeah, I'll get the internet back when... Oh, right, yeah. When right, and if right, right. that happens. But right. I need a few months yep. with no fucking internet in my life because it's yep. poison. And I identified that the other day because like, all the social media sites have taken on the TikTok model of um, video, recommended videos now. I'm sure you've seen this. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm not explaining anything new to anyone. To me, it's new. Um, you know, and despite being virulently against it and knowing that I'm being gamed and manipulated and everything, of course I get sucked into it. And I, I, I was scrolling through and the three videos were, first it was a video of a giant dog greeting its owner. I'm like, oh, the dog's bigger than its owner. Isn't that cute? The next video was an old man getting his head caved in by some kind of secret police in the Middle East and his brain falls out the back of his head. And the next video was 30 ways to cut a watermelon. <laughs> and I was right. like, you know what? I'm fucking out of here. This yep. is the worst. Yeah. My, my emotional state being wrenched from one extreme to the next. Yeah. And then the worst part was in the, in the horrific video, I didn't even feel anything. Right. I don't feel a thing. Yeah. It was just one more video on the internet. Yeah. And it was the most horrific thing I've seen all year. Yeah. And I don't feel anything. And it was just this moment of realization of what all this imagery is doing to all of our brains. Yeah. It's just frying our synapses. And I think we're all, we're all by proxy becoming those people cheering at the execution. Yeah. Or worse, not even feeling anything at the execution. Yeah. Not one way or the other. Well, you have to, you have to be on the front foot. You have to seriously engage with things correctly and you have to you have to be conscious when you're like, you know, I know. with what you're looking at and what what you're not looking at as well and making definitive choices in that moment. But you understand that you're the anomaly in that. Oh no, absolutely. Most of most of humanity. Yeah. This is a giant social experiment yeah. that is being done without anyone's consent yeah. or with their consent, but they don't realize that they actually don't have much consent in it. Yeah. No, no, no. I totally get it's that. Terrific. Can I tell you something that, that once again, this is slightly off topic, but the, uh, you know, walking along, enjoying something. And, uh, um, so I was walking to the chase the other day. It's like seven thirty in the morning and I've got my headphones on and there's, um, you know, nice old ladies walking past me and, guys walking to work and you know women walking past me and i'd been listening to a podcast about boogie nights Mm. and there was this great as i'm walking past in my head i've got mark Wahlberg going i'm the big fucking star here i'm the guy with the dick i'm ready to fuck and it was making me laugh so much and i as this old lady walked past me and she had little airpods on i thought oh god i wish she was listening to the same thing that would make me laugh so much uh, Emmanuel Goldstein, the supposed leader of the enemy, is most likely a fabrication designed to be the object of people's hate and outrage. Sure. Even O'Brien, who Winston believes to be an ally and fellow thought criminal, writes the book that supposedly Goldstein writes. Uh, this type of political manoeuvring is still evident today. What's, what's the first thing that uh, comes to mind for you? Well, it reminds me of how um, Putin in, uh, in Russia, he funds right-wing Groups and left-wing groups. He funds them all. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just sowing chaos. Yeah. It's, and you know, I think this is very much, you know, definitely the politics of, I think it does feel like, I could be wrong. It does feel like politics is changing a little, although Italy just elected their hard right 
fascist yeah. leader. But it, it does feel, at least in America and Britain and Australia, that people are kind of turning away from the politics of of chaos. But it does feel like that um, mode of just flood the zone yeah. with so much information and yeah. so much conflicting information, the end result being that people just check out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what the the O'Brien method is. It's just... Yeah. And, I, 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 and, and that comes down to the the constant shifting of who they're at war with yeah it doesn't matter you know uh you know what came to mind to me so two things one is one's serious and one's funny but they're both insane so the the serious one is the you know the the enemy that doesn't exist i immediately thought of howard and the children overboard remember that Oh, of course, yeah, 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 the yeah tam- you know, tam- and uh, the inability. Like, I, I still to this day think that Kim Beasley probably would have made a very good I think prime minister because I think he was a very nice man, but they just didn't have the tools to know how to deal with something yeah. like that. But the other thing, the, this one, and this is fun, was it reminded me of Michael Jordan making enemies of people who, yeah, that guy was sitting over there and he was looking in the opposite direction, didn't see me, and I took that fucking personally. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, dude, I, yeah, I'm like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who's the weirdest person that you've created an enemy out of? Oh, you know what? That's too personal. Let's yeah, talk about that personal. afterwards. Uh, I'll, the distra- I'll tell you off, Mike. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> there was, I, I knew it was a good question, and then I forgot that we were recording. There was someone at your at your birthday that I didn't interact with the whole time, and was convinced that they were my enemy. And then I interacted with them uh, at breakfast, and I was like, "Oh no, you're just insane." Oh right, I just made that up. Yeah, my mum. <laughs> <laughs> did your mum end up coming to breakfast no no oh, no, okay. no 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 after after mum banged out a twelve thirty ending on the friday night at the gig and a 2 a.m night on the uh at the party she definitely needed she's 69 she needed some uh downtime sure, sure. part of the reason i stayed out for the, all of sunday was because if i went home yeah. she would be a mum yeah and she would fuss over me so sure. i thought i'm just gonna stay out yeah, yeah, yeah. and give her a yeah, day yeah, yeah. to relax yeah of course had a very good time with her though we had a it was um <laughs> uh so one of the things that has been strange for me is that i you know like mum's 69 and it's it's quite confronting that mum is an old lady now mm. because she's always been young because she had me when she was 19 mm. like so when i was 20 she was 39 that's wild when when I was 31, she's my age now, yeah. you know, so she's always been young and it's, mm. you know, she's still in, she's still as fucking sharp as ever and, mm-hmm. you know, still as militant as ever, probably more fucking <laughs> lefty, like proper lefty as well, yeah, old yeah, school yeah. socialist lefty than yeah. ever. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen her around people in years. Mm. So I found it very cathartic to see her as an old lady with everyone yeah because it's like oh now it's now it feels like yeah i I think in the bubble it makes you feel a bit like am i yeah like am i going insane why 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 is she like this and then once seeing her in context was like oh no she's an old lady so then when she does kind of like older lady things it's like ah it's fine because she's an older lady do you know what i mean yeah it's a very it's it was something I was not expecting. There's all these lessons that come out of what we've experienced over the last few years oh, and yeah. lessons that we will maybe never learn and lessons that when we do learn them not realize that we had to learn them yeah. until they happened. And oh, that yeah. was but it was but she was hilarious. She was in good Oh yeah, form. she was holding court at the party. 
Oh, yeah. Receiving people. Richard Vidalit told me that she, uh, when he was leaving, he was like, oh, I should go and say goodbye to Andrea. And he went up to her. And before he could say anything, she said, you were about to leave without yep. saying goodbye to me. And I saw your head. Then you remembered me. I and, was there for that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Richard's like, bloody hell, Andrea. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah, so yeah. funny. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the destruction of the orgasm is particularly interesting. Mm. That's when I turned. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get rid of the orgasm, mate. <laughs> That's all we've got. Well, I, I think that that is, is happening now. Oh, yeah. With, sex. The, with, with, the, porn, with the porn fucking yeah. addiction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sex is just such a weird topic. And, you know, it has always been something that I don't... Like, I choose not to talk about on stage because I think for the most part... Who fucking wants to hear this? Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, it yeah. is um, like I think in hindsight I've been particularly buttoned down about it, even though I'm very uh, comfortable mm. with sex and sexuality. Uh, but it is it is one of those topics, like you know, like I've never been into porn, like never. That's re- remarkable to me. I I just like I I, I, yeah. I intellectualize it too much. I'm looking and I'm going, I don't know you guys, like. Mm. You're like porn's porn's bad, man. Yeah, porn's real bad. Like I don't think porn was always bad, but the porn that this this ubiquity and the tube sites and the infinite infinite well of it and the yeah. cascading depravity of it, it's bad. Yeah, and that's another like fried synapse thing. That yeah, I, you know it's it's so interesting that we live in this era of like don't yuck my yum and every iteration of sexuality is to be celebrated and respected and everything, and yet people are more uh, disconnected yeah. from actual human contact and sex than ever before. Yeah. You know, you've got an entire generation of men growing up with VI helmets strapped to their fucking heads, yeah. jacking off 50 times a day yeah. and they don't know how to talk to a person and it's just awful. Yeah. It's so bad. I remember when the Watchmen series was on how titillating it was to see Dr. Manhattan walking around with his monster. <laughs> like... You know, but I know some people. Uh, there, there was someone, uh, a friend of mine, who said, "Oh, yeah, geez, you, I don't know if you should talk about how big that guy's dick was." I was like, "Why? Like, he's got a big dick. Like, it's fucking." I was just grateful it wasn't in three D. That's what I was grateful for. Like, anyway, uh, so uh, just quickly. Once again, in this movie, one of the failures of this film is that we can't work out why Mr. Charrington and O'Brien target Winston. Is it right. is it to give hope and then destroy and to win by destroying him utterly? But also, why was he chosen? Like, I feel like he's doing his job quite well. Is it because they know that he's going off into the proletariat yeah, area? I think, I, th- I think that's what's going on. Yeah, you know, they understand. They 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 know that he's uh, dissented. Yeah, and so you know, it's about crushing. It's about crushing all of it. But again, yeah. you're not really. You're not really... You, you have to do too much work to get there. Yeah. To understand that. Yeah, yeah. I, like, yeah. As I say, I just feel like you almost... You, you To really understand what's going on without extrapolating, you have to have read the book. Mm. Yeah. Uh, room 101 is where you're confronted with your worst fears. Winston's is trapped uh, w- with rats, which harkens back to his youth. What would be in room 101 waiting for you? <laughs> <laughs> um... I'd be on a Channel 7 comedy panel show with three other people that I fucking detest and I'll tell you who those three people are after we stop recording. 
in a in a never ending. Uh, and here's a new topic that we're going to discuss. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my room 101 would be strapped to a strapped to a um, chair with those clockwork orange eye oh, clamps. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, the eye clamps. Yeah. yeah. The eye I can't clamps. even put contact lenses in. <laughs> <laughs> or just even worse, just sans eyelids entirely, uh, being forced to watch Gogglebox. Yeah. Or just any one of those. I'd pick, be, pick your show. I'd be in a. I'd be in the Clockwork Orange eye clamps, <laughs> strapped in. That have. I'd be at IMAX. That have Interstellar playing, <laughs> but the, the the volume would be down pretty low, and I'd have people there who consider themselves to be the biggest Christopher Nolan fans <laughs> talking to me about why they love it, and they'd all be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't just be the experience of destroying Interstellar. It would be the the complete destruction of any further enjoyment of Interstellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or it's uh, someone pontificating about Bowie to me and I'm like going, ah, oh, don't, don't do this to Papa. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to Papa Bowie? <laughs> the destruction of something that you love is fucking brutal, isn't it? Oh, man, yeah. it's, it's happened a couple of times in the last couple of years and it's really, yeah. it's, it's really unpleasant. Yeah. To kind of not be able to derive enjoyment from something you want to. That did. is why I fucking lean into loving Bowie's work in the nineties when no one else was. I was like, I'm fucking there. I never never wavered, Dad. <laughs> Pieces of shit trying to tell me stuff now. <laughs> uh the torture scenes with Winston, it's uh, it's too much, isn't it? Well it's it's too much and it's not enough. Yeah. It's just, I just didn't, I mean, look, by the time we got there, I was done. I was yeah. like, let's wrap this fucking yeah. up. But it, it, again, what bothered me was how bland Burton's monologue was. That should yeah. have been, oh, you could have done so much with yeah. that. And they kind of, and they kind of flirt with it with this, you know, oh, we're in the field and everything's nice. Yeah. But again, it was just like, uh, you know. Yeah. That rats on the face scene should have been yeah. horrific. Was that, so you know, uh, so something that I got confused with mm. is that when he's a little boy, he goes and steals chocolate from his sister and right. runs off. And then when he comes back, his mum and sister are gone. Yeah. But then who's the woman being eaten? I thought that was his mum. I thought that was his mum as well. So right. is he... Um, so Maybe finds her dead later. Who knows? Right. I don't know. I don't remember if they go into in the book why he's afraid either. of rats. Yeah, it's been so long since I've read it. I mean, I don't even think you need to... You know, again, if that scene was done well, you wouldn't even need to explain why he's afraid of rats. Yeah. He's got a fucking cage with rats strapped to his face. That's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. That's full on. <laughs> I mean, I just re- I remember... And maybe it would be different now, but I've, I've, I've read 1984 three or four times in my life, and I still have a visceral memory of reading that scene and, like, wanting to throw up. Yeah. How awful it is. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't... Yeah, didn't get that yep. from the movie at all. You know what it made me think of mm. was uh, you've read uh, Daniel Klaus's "Like a Velvet Glove" in uh, what? What is it? Like a hammer and velvet glove, or something like that? Have you ever read that uh, graphic novel? Black Hole. No, 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 no. Daniel Klaus, who did Eight Ball, and have you ever read that? No. Oh man, <laughs> I wonder if I have it still. Anyway, uh, anyway, I thought you would have read it, but there's a character who has nothing in his eye sockets and it's kind of got like fish eating inside Ugh. and he's walking. It's it's full on. And as you know, like Klaus's artwork yeah, is yeah, also, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's so ugly. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Klaus is black hole, isn't he? No, that's Charles Burns. That's Charles Burns. Yeah. Daniel Klaus. 
Oh, Daniel Klaus. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. yeah. Um, in the end, O'Brien destroys Winston and tells him, you are outside history. That is a brutal yeah. couple of words. He is returned to a world where he can meet with Julia again, and even though they both betrayed each other, none of it matters anymore. Was it worth it for Winston and Julia to experience something beautiful for a while, or would they have been better to live their lives by the rules? That's a really hard question. I wonder that about a lot of experiences in life. Yeah. Great romance. Yeah. Worth the heartbreak. Yeah. All the rest. That's that's something explored in Arrival quite well. Yeah. Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, sure. If all you've got is the moment. Yeah. Like, you may as well have a great few moments. Yeah. If if, if, if life is going to be a fucking drudge, a drudging trudge through fucking nightmare hellscape, yeah. you may as well have had a couple of months of good sex, jam yeah. on bread. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, segment, who and how? Which character do you think you would be and how would you react in their place? Uh... Probably, I, pro- I, I, pro- I probably most identify with Winston in the sense yeah. that, you know, I, I do often feel that I am uh, stuck in a mode of civilization that I find to be appalling. Right. Uh, and I've often wondered what would happen if, you know, say overnight we adopted the uh, the Chinese mode of social credits and all the rest. Right. And facial scanning, which I predict is what you're going to go into in the next segment. Um, I, I've wondered how I would respond to that. Yeah. And whether I would be participating. Yeah. And I, I think a younger version of me would have gone, nah, I'll fucking take the bullet in the head. Thanks. Yeah. An older version of me is not so sure. Yeah. And that freaks me out. I know. It's like when you're younger, you take the bullet, but when you're older, you go, well, there's still ice cream. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I still like movies. I do. (laughs) I'd be Emmanuel Goldstein. I'd be completely fictional, but used to keep the masses in check. Uh, In our segment, Zero Charisma, I have one word for you, Mm. and that is everyone. Yeah, everyone, the whole movie, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, Segment, better or worse, ruin or improve the movie with one decision. Um, uh, Look. I'll leave it up to you to decide if this improves or ruins the film, but replace the Eurythmic song, Julia, with Aha's Take On Me on the final <laughs> credits. It's kind of what it needs. It improves. It improves it. <laughs> I think add, I, improve it, add George Clooney in, in the role. Yeah, no, I, just, I, I just think um, a bit... Uh, yeah, We've already covered it. World building and a bit of humour would go a long way. Who would you have... Uh, let's, let's just, as a thought process, who would you cast today? So how... How old's so Winston's what? Like late thirties? Um Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is Winston. Yeah, it's because it's all about the eyes. It's all about the eyes, baby. Yeah. And he could do that like, you know, Rictus grin. Yeah. That's what I think it needs. It needs that the mouth is saying, I love it. Yeah. And the eyes are saying, Get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd make Anthony Hopkins the owner of the pawn shop. Yeah, Hopkins. You know, because he's so. It, it's it's he can it's, do the turn. Yeah, it's you know it's my favorite thing. Like one of my favorite things in Interstellar is the uh, Michael Caine saying, "I'm asking you to trust me." Of course, I trust you. You're Michael Caine. Yeah. Oh no, you can't trust yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Man's the best of us. It's Matt Damon. He is the best of totally. us. Oh no, he's not the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or uh, Ian McKellen. 
of the. Oh of the shop yeah, owner. that'd be delicious. A delicious, deliciously sweet Ian McKellen. What? Uh, who would be the woman? Do you reckon? Uh, J Lo. J Lo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, A little bit not? of sex appeal. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine J Lo as the O'Brien character. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you She's could. Yeah. <laughs> Viola Davis as O'Brien. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, yeah, you could do so much. But yeah, I just think uh, if you're listening to this and you want to watch a 1984 movie, watch Brazil. Yeah, I think it does. I, I think, think so all too. the themes and all of the ideas are there. So, segment, where are we now? How close are we to the technology in the film? This we is, surpassed it. Well, so this is from the 28th of September, 2022. This is the latest news for you. We're Ugh. recording this on the 2nd of October, uh, 1st of October, in October. Uh, Amazon, on the 28th of September, 2022, laid out its vision for ambient intelligence. This is an AI service like Alexa, which makes sense of the state of your environment, including devices, sensors, objects, people, and activity around you to help you in every situation where you need assistance, either reactively, in brackets, customer-initiated, or proactively, brackets, AI-initiated. This includes a new bedside sleep tracker called Halo Rise, which seems to be riffing on Google's Nest, which tracks your sleep and environment, and an always-on TV. So essentially, along with devices like a Ring video doorbell and an Echo smart speaker, ambient intelligence really is a great way to give your whole life an entire infrastructure to one mega corporation, and the good thing is they don't have any history of privacy issues, like having a palm-reading tech that reads your biometric data. I personally can't wait to go to sleep knowing that Jeff Bezos is looking over at me at any opportunity. We love you, Big Bezos. <laughs> but that's the thing. Most people... Do you remember... I was talking about this with a friend the other night. Like, I get 15-year-olds that are like, yeah, like, what are you talking about? Because they don't know any a world that's any different. Yeah. It blows my mind that people our age who spent three quarters of their life not in this grid surveillance fucking weird dehumanized disconnected reality mm. it's like they're in a fugue state and they've completely forgotten that it was never that yeah it, that it wasn't always like this yeah and that this isn't better yeah I, I, it blows my mind yeah it blows my mind that 1984 was a synonymous with the idea of oppressive surveillance and how fucking awful that would be. And then flash forward a few years and people are scanning their face into their phone yeah. because it saves four nanoseconds of pressing a button. Yeah. What? Yeah. You're scanning your biometric, you're scanning your face into yeah. your phone and that's yeah. good because it's convenient. Yeah. And it doesn't even, or like that your PlayStation listens to your voice at all. The, the number of people now that are like, oh, it's so weird. I was talking about Pizza Hut the other day and now my phone's sending me ads to Pizza Cut. I guess it's listening to me. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. It's awful. But it's just like, oh yeah, no, that's just the price you've got to pay now for convenience. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm consistently only talking about the same things because that way I only get adverts <laughs> for the same things. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it like doesn't it freak you out how willing people are to just go oh yeah cool yeah it's but, only been a few years but cool whatever yeah yeah oh, yeah 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 it def- definitely and then, and then something like me. the Optus hack happens and everyone freaks out and it's like why, why are you freaking out you gave yeah. it everything and that wasn't even that's nothing that's your fucking email address your phone number and your name yeah let alone your face yeah <laughs> it's insane yeah sorry. Remember in the good old days where you just used to give your information willingly and they put it in a big book called the telephone book? 
<laughs> yeah. People knew exactly where you lived. Yeah, and and then f- people are freaking out about this. And it's like... It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, segment sum it up. What does this movie mean to you? I have written a grim reminder that even when someone tries to warn us about the future, we do nothing to stop it from occurring. <laughs> I also feel quite radicalised by the experience of watching the film. It has tapped into something that was dormant inside for a while. And I think it's probably going to get me in trouble at some point. <laughs> The end. Um, uh, this movie, well, look, it, it would mean something to me if I didn't spend 23 hours a day obsessing over the state that we're currently living through. Anyway, uh, for me at the moment, this film represents a missed opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, when did you first watch this? Uh, it would have been 10 plus years ago. Right. I don't remember having a hugely negative reaction to it then, but... No, neither do I. I was smoking a lot of cones back then, so... Yeah. I, I, I think... Um, I think we're we're probably just more articulate and uh, yeah. you know we we just have better knowledge. By the way, this once again this is a just a contrast. I finally saw In the Mood for Love at the Ritz Cinema. Great movie, possibly one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Beautiful movie. And, uh, you know what was great about it, yeah. and I won't say exactly what it was in case people haven't seen it and want to see it, but I had a vague idea of what the movie was about mm. and I was slightly wrong yeah. and I was delighted to be Same. slightly wrong. Exactly and I yep. reckon you, yes. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. What Same. a, what a beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah, man. There's so much, there's so much, there's so many good movies. I watched uh, a 1930s screwball comedy the other night called Bringing Up Baby. Oh yeah. 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 That? Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago, but yeah. 10 out of 10. So good. Yep. Cary Grant. Yeah. Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Holy shit. The, um, Ritz, is, Ritz Cinema in Sydney is doing, you know, the 85 mm. years. I think on tonight they've got No Country for Old Men. Oh. That'd be nice to see that again on the what big a beautiful screen. beautiful film. Yeah. I found out, um, and uh, Monica, who listens to the podcast. Hello, Monica, who lives in Adelaide uh, oh, and has mentioned uh, the Piccadilly Cinema to me before. I think that's coming up to, uh, in 2025, it'll be 100 years since that cinema's been there. And suddenly, for the first time in... Like, for the first time, I've thought, oh, how nice would it be to move back to Adelaide and book that for a hundred... Like, just book it for a hundred days. Oh, yeah. And do, like, what the Ritz is doing. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. My dream would be to run a repertory cinema. Ah. Dude. Be the best. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. Be the best cinema in all the world. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Some squid bits for you. The original title for the novel was The Last Man in Europe. The theory that the title of 1984 was an inversion of 1948 is an idea that has manifested into into a fact. In early drafts of the novel, Orwell first had the story in 1980, 1982, and then eventually 1984. Uh, Dorian Linsky says in their book The Ministry of Truth, the biography of George Orwell's 1984, that the most fateful date in literature was a late amendment. That's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, I believe that. I thought it was uh, definitively the 1948 thing sure. as well. Uh, Orwell began work on the novel in 1944 and was influenced by the Tehran Conference and the consequences of dividing the world up into zones of influence. Mm. Uh, George Orwell is a pen name. His real name is Eric Arthur Blair. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. He chose his pseudonym from a list that included P.S. Burton. Kenneth Miles and H. Lewis always. <laughs> what would your pseudonym be? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Give me a, give me a minute to think on that. What's yours? I uh, would like. I have too many. I would. Uh, I could go Jezza Bunter, Jason Harrington, uh, the Hamster, uh, John Tilt Animus, John Tilt Animus. <laughs> like I've got. I've got heaps of names. Uh, Juzzy. I'd just go Juzzy. Like you know, Cher, <laughs> Madonna, 
Jazzy. Jazzy. Uh, yep. Um, Mr. T front bottom. There you go. That's one just off the top of my head. That might be my drag name. Who knows? <laughs> Randall Macquarie would be mine. Randall Macquarie? Yeah. yeah, great. I'd definitely read a book by Randall, Randall Macquarie. Macquarie. Uh, oh, Randall. Sorry. Yeah, Randall Macquarie. That's even better. Sorry, I thought you said Randall Macquarie. Oh, no, Randall Macquarie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Random Randall Macquarie. Here he comes. Uh, two plus two equals five was used by Joseph Stalin's propagandist Ayakov Gumina. Two years after launching a five-year economic plan, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union announced that the plan would be completed a year early. In their campaign's own words, two plus two equals five, arithmetic of a counter-plan plus the enthusiasm of the workers. <sighs> oh, God. That, that has now beaten me beaten uh, using Big Brother for a game show. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah. I always thought that was the worst, but th- that's actually worse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two all- plus two is five. <laughs> yeah. Great song by Radio here. Uh, Orwell it based... Yeah, Orwell, man, I saw... It's a fucking great... I listened, literally listened to that last night. I've been oh, listening man. to Hail to the Thief a lot. It's yeah, great. it's a scorcher. Have you great. seen... Uh, uh, I'll find it for you. Tom York put out a... Um, he uh, a suggested... Like I think, I think there's a part of it. Like I think they're happy with the album, but if he maybe had longer or something to work on, he has a suggested slightly different playlist. Okay. But um, I saw uh, back in 2003 when I saw Bowie in Dublin, London, and Glasgow. I squeezed in Radiohead at Earl's Court, and uh, I was right up the front, and they opened with. Uh, no, they opened with "There, There," but they had the drummer, Phil Selwave, and they had two sets of other drums that they just wheeled out. So it was just this force hitting you in the chest. And then they went into two plus two equals five. And it was like, I am having a really good time. (laughs) Uh, Orwell based his thought crime motif on the Imperial Japanese Army's military police that operated from 1881 to 1945. The secretive police force had the power to arrest people of unpatriotic thoughts. Mm-hmm. Orwell worked in an office at the BBC Broadcasting House as a propagandist, and this is thought to have had an influence on Room 101. Orwell based the character of Julia on his second wife, Sonia Bronwell, uh, Brownwell. Sonia was an assistant at a literary magazine and Julia was the girl from the fiction department. Unfortunately, Orwell died 14 weeks after they married. Uh, Richard Branson contributed money to the production of this movie. Uh, Virgin Films, who financed the film, uh, approached David Bowie to write the soundtrack, but he demanded too much money. His album, Diamond Dogs, began as an adaptation of 1984 with songs including Big Brother, We Are the Dead and 1984, but he couldn't retain the rights from Orwell's widow. Virgin Films then brought in the Arrhythmics, but director Michael Radford rejected this because he had the traditional orchestral score that had been created entirely by Dominic Muldowney a few months earlier. Against Radford's wishes... They, ex- they exercised their rider final cut by replacing the musical cues with Eurythmics with contributions. Muldowney's main theme music, in particular the state anthem, Oceana Tis For Thee, was still used prominently in the film. Mm. Richard Burton came out of retirement for the movie and it was his final performance before his death of a stroke in August 1984. Uh, Burton found the lines of O'Brien to be unnervingly seductive. Should have performed them that way, Richard. Well, once again, I think it's I think it's poor directing. Uh, he was in such well he he was in such poor health that he had trouble remembering his lines. And the scene in O'Brien's apartment where he is talking to Winston about Goldstein's book took forty one takes. Oh god! 
Despite positive reviews, Orwell felt the book was largely misinterpreted. He stated that the book was not an attack on socialism or on the British Labour Party, which he supported, but a warning that totalitarianism, if not fought against, could triumph anywhere. Uh, Many of the film's shots were filmed on the days in Winston's diary. The scene where Smith enters his apartment and writes in his diary is dated the 4th of April 1984, and that is the day it was also filmed. Uh, Radford and Roger Deakins originally wanted to film the movie in black and white, but the financial backers, Virgin Films, opposed this idea. Instead, they used a processing technique called bleach bypass to create the washed-out look of the movie's colour visuals. Um... Radford had some of his crew go into the sewers to get real sewer rats for the film. So, thank goodness they were real. I would hate to have seen some just actor rats. Uh, So, John Hurt was the only actor Radford and producer Simon Perry considered to play Winston Smith. And the film won Best British Film of the Year at the Evening Standard British Film Awards in 1984. So, there we have it. Interesting. You know, like, I was a... I, I... Remembered the movie quite differently. Uh, I, I remembered it being better. And then it, it, this was kind of like the inverse of Solaris, mm. where I enjoyed Solaris when I first saw it. And then on the rewatch was like, oh, this is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I've been actually, uh, like I've been downplaying how good yeah, this yeah, is. Yeah. And this one I remember enjoying it the first time I saw it. And then watching it this time and just going, oh, I just feel like this could have been better. But it was, it's good for conversation at least. Oh, it's great for conversation, yeah, yeah. but uh, I can't heartily recommend it. No, and uh, for our next sci-fi film, maybe Steve McQueen and the Blob or just something... Something fun. Something a little bit fucking upbeat. <laughs> and just remember, no matter how bad the world is, there's ice cream. <laughs> Thank you to Ben for helping me out with today's podcast. Also, a big shout out to Aaron for being our Patreon subscriber for the episode. Remember, if you'd like to join our community, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid and you will find a tier that suits you. Melbourne, don't forget my first show performed in your city in three years. It's been three years since I've performed a show in Melbourne. That is crazy. It's happening this Saturday at Comedy Republic. Head to comedy.com.au and look for the tile that says Justin Hamilton Little Victories and use your Big Squid Discount Podcast to save some money on your purchase. That's right, the discount word is podcast. It'd be great to see you there. And uh, if you do come along, make sure that you say hello afterwards. Top reviews at Apple Podcasts are a great way to support the work that my friends and I do here. And if you would... Enjoy the idea of avoiding the bin fire that is Twitter. We have a very nice private Facebook page that you can join. I know it's on Facebook, but it's private and it's very nice. Everyone there is very nice and we have a good time uh, discussing stuff and suggesting stuff. So if you'd like to be in a nice creative environment full of nice people, head on over. Just answer the three questions. That's I just basically need you to do that so I know you're not a bot. It, Asking people what their favourite stuff is, it, it can be overwhelming. So, to just put the first thing that comes to mind, uh, I just need to know you're not a bot. And then you will be let in and you can be a part of the Big Squid community over there. I'll be back on Thursday with Rove McManus to discuss more Doctor Who and to answer your questions and thoughts on where you'd like to see the good Doctor travel 
in their next set of adventures. Thank you to you for listening. I hope you're well and I appreciate you taking the time to spend time with me. Until then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.